Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. This is Shannon from Strategic Intervention Solutions. Today in this podcast, I'll be talking about whether or not motor skills affect student achievement. In the 21st century, motor skills aren't always as developed as they should be before kids enter into kindergarten. A child's life today typically involves more time being plugged in than being outside playing, doing jump roping, playing hopscotch, or even kick the can. Kids are learning to ride bikes much later and may still struggle even tying their shoes. You might ask yourself, does motor really matter for academic achievement? Well, the answer to that is certainly yes. Motor development such as skipping, crossing midline, repeating rhythmic repetitions such as clapping in a series or using a body in a pattern is connected to the beginning of mathematical foundations for students. It's just like dynamic and static balance balance are readiness skills indicating the readiness for reading. So skipping and crossing midline indicate readiness for math. Unfortunately, there is often a misunderstanding around the term readiness. Readiness is not a guarantee. It simply means that the skills required to get to the next level have been built previously. It doesn't mean that if your child can skip, they're going to be a math genius. And it doesn't mean if your child can balance on one foot and close their eyes for even 10 seconds that they're going to be a super reader. A tale of two students. I was working in a kindergarten classroom earlier this fall in one of our project schools. This school is in their second year in our M-cubed Molding Math Mindset series, and they're focusing this year on the area of problem solving with story problems. It was early in the year, this year, in this particular school, they start at the end, uh, towards maybe like the second or third uh, week in August, and I was visiting them more towards the end of September. While I was modeling in the kindergarten classroom, I was able to spend some time observing the students as they were responding to different mathematical concepts that we were learning. Some of the things I observed had made me curious about the way several of the students were processing. Since I was scheduled to do a meeting with the new math interventionist after I left that classroom, I thought it would be a great idea to see if my intuition was correct based on my observations. We pulled a few students to take with us, and my plan was to model the numeracy screeners with the interventionist so she understood how to do it with students. In this video on the blog, you'll see these two girls, Allison, she has a unicorn shirt and Jordan is wearing a light light blue pants with sparkly accents. I didn't pull these girls because I thought they were necessarily more at risk than the others, but the things they were doing in the math lesson piqued my interest about their mathematical thinking. To begin, I wanted to see if they could just cross their midline. I had Allison, Jor- Allison and Jordan stand side by side and asked the girls to watch me as I demonstrated a cross crawl and crossed my midline. I didn't want it to be difficult for them, so I had just tapped my their, their knee with their opposite hand versus using their elbow and then alternate. In the video on the blog, you can see the two students are doing it quite differently. Jordan was very rhythmic. She's hitting her right hand with her left knee and fluidly switching to the other side. Allison, on the other hand, is really struggling as she spends the whole time watching Jordan to see if she can figure out how she is doing it.
I asked the interventionist if she could predict how well these girls were going to do on the numeracy screener based on how they were doing with crossing your mid, their midline. As we know, math goes beyond just knowing numbers. And so my question was really whether or not the students had kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence. My prediction that Jordan the student who could cross her midline would probably do well on kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence, but that Allison, the student who was struggling and looked to me to be more motorly awkward, would probably reveal that she is underdeveloped in this area. Why is crossing the midline so important in both reading and math? I remember doing a finger fanatics training early on, not too long after I published my book, Finger Fanatics. I did a lot of pre-K trainings, and after one of them, a mother came up to me and asked me to watch her son, Joey, as he wrote his name. Little Joey was very confident in his abilities, and I handed him a piece of paper and a pencil. I aligned the pencil right at his midline so I could see what he would do as far as he handedness. Joey continued to pick up the pencil with his left hand. In the left corner of the paper, he lined up with his body and he wrote J-O. As the word was going, as, as the word was going to cross his midline on the paper, Joey put the pencil down and then picked it up with his right hand and finished writing E-Y. It was baffling to me to watch to see how he was not crossing his midline while writing across the paper. From there, I had Joey do some different kinds of exercises that we do when looking to see if kids can cross their midline. I wanted to see if he could do a cross crawl or cross his midline. The gym that we were in had a pattern painted cinder blocks on the wall. So Joey traced the pattern, but faced forward and crossed his body. So he stood at the wall and took his hand and completely took his arm across his body as he um, made the letter T. Interesting, Joey took his left hand and traced the line on the wall until it hit his midline. And then he switched hands and resumed making the line at the top of the T with his opposite hand, resuming to finish the tracing. Clearly, Joey was struggling with crossing his midline, but at four years old, Joey's mother wasn't sure really why it mattered. Think about a child's school day. So often, the right side of the brain has to talk to the left side. The front has to talk to the back. The back has to talk to the front. How often does a child need to have all parts of their brain working at one time? Very frequently. If the child's extremities can't cross their midline, any processing that requires the brain to cross the midline will be weak. Because of this, we give parents a lot of activities they can do at home to help their kids cross their midline, which will in turn help them academically. Let's go back to looking at administering that numeracy screener with those students now that we have this prediction about where they are with midline. After we made our prediction that Allison and Jordan would probably perform perform differently on the kinesthetic screener, I had them line up to kind of start to do the screener. A prerequisite for the screener was really to make sure that they could count to 10. Counting by 10 is and by rote is a prerequisite for the kinesthetic portion of the numeracy screener. Otherwise, you can't test one-to-one correspondence kinesthetically. Both girls, girls could successfully count to 10, and they had all the, ne- the, the necessary skills to begin administering the numeracy screeners. 
In preparation for the screener, we laid out poly spots in numerical order from zero to 10. Each was marked with a dot pattern that we had also we had also marked on a starting line for them for the first poly spot. This is a good idea to have a starting line with maybe tape before the poly spots so that students don't start walking on the poly spots and begin counting when they're already on one. We were doing this, the screener. When I was doing the screener, I was not trying to trick the students as they were walking on the different poly spots. In fact, the girls in the video, with these girls in the video, I had to hold their hands and show them how I wanted them to walk on the number line. If I ask you to walk five steps forward, I'm going to count out loud and walk my steps like this. One, two, three, four, five. Walking in succession on the poly spots, right leg, left leg, right leg, left leg as I'm counting. It's important in the assessment that they understand this concept. If they know how to do it, they'll do great. If they don't, they won't. I relate kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence with rhyming. You really can't make a kid have kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence any more than you can make a kid rhyme. Imagine putting a student off to the side and asking them to supply you with two rhyming words based on the rhymes that you give. You say cat, hat. They look at you with a blank stare and say water bottle. You try again. The the same thing happens. You say chair and bear and they say pencil. The child might be start naming things that they see, maybe because they're not even really sure what rhyming is or what the heck you're asking them to do. In rhyming, we do a lot of different kinds of songs and games and rhythmic activities to help students hear the rhyme. But at the end of the day, if we beat the if we beat our head against the wall, the child's never going to end up hearing the rhyme until they hear it on their own. It's the same thing with kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence. We had Jordan start on the tape line and walk on the line counting as she went. I was watching to make sure that her feet and her body movements were corresponding with the way she was counting. Although she's walking a little bit robotic, she is spot on in counting in succession. We felt like Jordan was confidently ready to move on to the, to the other parts of our numeracy quantity screener. It is important to have students repeat the exercises its first time, not just go to the fore and come on back and we're done with the assessment. We want them to go um, and come back and walk six, and then come back, maybe walk to the five, come on back, now walk to the eight and come on back. Some students that might be cognitively impaired or seriously at risk might only count to the number five. They will be able to do the numbers maybe if they can count consistently to zero to five, but they you might eventually start to add on six. And so you want to work within the kinesthetic screener to eventually get kids to be able to correspond one through five and then to six and then so on, add on seven, eight, nine, and 10. As you can see in the video and on our website and the blog, is we can kind of look to see how Allison does. Even though she's waiting to go on the number line, it's almost, she's almost losing her balance and seeming motorly awkward while she's waiting. She's very impulsive when doing things and she walks in the number line. She struggles to one-to-one. At one point during the video, she looks like she's pretty consistent, but I just wasn't convinced. I have her try it again and come back and again and come back. If it's not demonstrated consistently, just like a child that would be rhyming and saying cat, hat, fat, and then they all of a sudden say lick, you know the pattern wasn't really sticking. 
It was very evident that Allison was really struggling with kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence. Even if I got her to slow down, she couldn't connect kinesthetically walking with the number with the rhythmic when having a kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence to go to a destination. For her, the appropriate level might be to work with numbers zero to five to keep her consistent and then build on the numbers on the poly spots. The next level. The next part of the assessment is to remove the poly spots and have them walk to a destination in the classroom while counting their steps. In this particular classroom, there was an interventionist, as all interventions, ends up with all the different things in their classroom, like a Christmas tree. The girls stood by the Christmas tree box in the room, and I asked them to walk over to me towards the teacher's computer. Again, I wasn't trying to trick them. I demonstrated so they could see what I was doing when walking with each step. I took was one-to-one corresponding with the number I was saying in succession. My prediction was that Jordan, since she was able to walk in the poly spots without a problem, would still kinesthetically correspond for me one-to-one even if the poly spots were removed. As you can see in the video on the blog, she does a great job with it. With Allison, my prediction was that if she couldn't do the one-to-one correspondence on the poly spots, she was certainly not going to be able to do it on a destination. We had to do two different takes with her because she was so impulsive with walking at first. Even when she went slower, as she got going, she ended up losing it. Why is this so important? In the developmental pyramid of students' first exploration of math with real objects in the physical world, and then they next develop their kinesthetic world before they start to understand and conceptualize math with concrete pictorial abstract. The kinesthetic aspect is really important in lots of concepts in math, not just kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence. Think about kids learning to do multiplication for the first time. They might act it out like in groups or on an open number line to show how a number line's shifting. As time, and any time that you bring a math concept down to the kinesthetic level, you really help solidify the foundation of that skill, almost like you're laying, you're putting a layer down before the concrete level. Many of the students that don't have kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence typically don't many of our kids that don't have the typical correspondence they also don't have it with objects so if they can't walk with their feet they're not going to be able to do it with manipulative you can see this if you are sitting with a student and counting let's say counters and you're pushing it from one side of the table to the other showing one two three four and you're moving the counters as you count but when it's their turn they start to move the counters fast and start saying the words faster than they're actually moving and so they usually is an indicator that there is something not there with their kinesthetic one-to-one that we shouldn't be working on the object. As we've learned from the experience, these students might be motorly awkward or, have, or might not also have mastered crossing their midline. What to do next? I'm not sure if this is sad news or good news, but this layer of kinesthetic correspondence can go underdeveloped if we ignore it in schools. If we crack open that kindergarten book and start plowing through it, they won't have the readiness they need to go into mathematics. And in an at-risk school district, it's probably not just one or two students, but maybe 10 or 15 students that don't have the rhythmic pieces of math. Learning kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence is pivotal, and it's not hard to get kids to actually get it. For kids that need to work on more on this area, we usually do an intervention group for which we have call on an interventionist um, 
to maybe help us if you have that in your building. In this particular building, I was working with the interventionist who was going to work with Allison and Jordan. If Allison were to be pulled out 10 minutes every day for three for three weeks, that would give her less than an hour a week, almost about three hours of time on the exact instructional match level, which will help her with the kinesthetic one-to-one. Nine times out of 10, if she was able to get that, the child takes the child that is able to develop this skill and this layer is put into place because the reality is it's just been an underexposure and they haven't really developed that skill yet. Some ideas for developing kinesthetic one-to-one correspondence. It's all about finding a way to integrate it into our environment so kids can really use the skill and make sure they really understand it. You can walk around the school and count your steps. For example, they walk out to recess, have them count their steps on the blacktop before they get to the playground or put a large lazy eight on the floor in the hallway and have kids walk around while they're counting their steps. They can do rhythmic body motions. So for example, if I tap on my leg, right, left, left, I might have the child tap on their knee um, and repeat the pattern or I might have them do head, shoulders, tummy, and repeat. Bean bags are also a great idea. You can toss the bean bags into a target and count or toss the bean bags to the students and tell them to stop when they when they get to five. Check out the other kinesthetic development activities on our website. Thanks so much for joining our podcast for this week. Next week, we'll be talking about division and how we can look at the Shannon's top three ways to help students understand um, division. See you next time.